Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Albert Breary joins us every single Wednesday at 520, and he joins us now on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Albert, welcome to the show, bud. Hey, what's up, guys? Well, first off, Albert, do you think that you, you need to have lettuce on a taco to make it a taco? Hell no. Well, screw you. Thanks for the interview. We'll talk to you uh, later. Thank you, Albert. This is the best we've ever started like, an interview. What, what, to make you feel better about yourself? I'm, I mean, yeah. So you got some greens on there, right? No, what? I mean, I like lettuce on tacos, but, um, you know, like, so, like, me and my wife had to uh, HelloFresh. We get, like, three of those every week, and they're, like, we, we usually have, like, some some sort of taco in there. Okay. And the tacos, a lot of times, don't have, don't have lettuce in them. They'll have, like... You know, some slaw in there. There's usually like some like sort of vegetable in there, but it's not always lettuce. Interesting. Ah, thank okay. you, Albert. That All was right. wonderful. Albert, um, who is perceived as the front runner for the Browns defensive coordinator job? Uh, people I've talked to think Brian Flores has got a real good shot at it. Um, yeah, I think there are a couple reasons for that. Like the the first one to me is how you can kind of connect some of these names. Now, Sean Desai, I think, is a little different. He's very friendly with Kevin Stefanski, um, so there's a connection there. Um, and he would bring, like, Vic Fangio's defense, which is obviously very popular across the league right now. Um, you know, the other three, though, um, Jim Schwartz, Brian Flores, and Gerard Mayo were all brought into the league by Bill Belichick, and all three of them learned the game from Bill Belichick. And, um, you know, that, I think, kind of goes to the influence of somebody in the front office who's been there for a couple of years now, and that's the ex-Lions general manager, Bob Quinn. Um, Quinn worked for Flores for years and years. They were in scouting together way back. Um, and so he knows how good Flo is. Um, and I think if you look, you know, you want to look at the history of Brian Flores and the job he did in New England um, in 2018 for a Super Bowl team and how valuable a coach he was before that. Um, you know, and you can cut through, you know, like some of the stuff that's happened over the last year or so. I think you could see where somebody like Bob Quinn would see this as a great opportunity for the Browns to bring a culture changer in, um, you know, as their defensive coordinator. Because I do think that that's part of the job is, is changing the culture on defense. I know, you know, when some of these guys have watched the Browns film, um, you know, ahead of, of going and interviewing for the job, they look at it and they say, ah, I don't know what, I, 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 I don't know if that's, you know, that's, that, that's just a scheme issue. I think it's a little bit deeper than that on that side of the ball for, for Cleveland. Albert, is this an appealing job? Sure. I mean, look, like, it, like you look at it and it's like, okay, like they've been, they've had a losing record two years in a row. But there's clearly talent on the roster. They went through the really weird thing with Deshaun this year where they didn't have him for the first 11 weeks. 
Um, you know, he comes back. Like I think at the very end of the year, you know, you see a little, you see flashes of what Deshaun might be. If that means they're going to be a lot better on offense next year, which stands to reason that's going to be the case. Um, you know, now you're talking about having an offense that's going to be able to support its defense with a really, really good running game, right? And uh, like then you look at the pieces on defense and between Denzel Ward and you know and 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 uh, Miles Garrett and uh, and JOK and like some of the younger pieces that they've had they've got on that side of the ball, Newsom, you can see the sort of shell of what could be a really really good defense, and so. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're somebody who's looking to become a head coach, you can certainly look at the Browns and say, within a couple of years, I get this thing turned around. If, and if we're rolling, and I got this to being, like, say, a top ten defense within a couple of years, I'm going to be, I'm going to get my shot to be to be a head coach somewhere else. Albert, when the Browns fired Joe uh, Joe Woods, I almost called him Joe Flores. When when they fired Joe Woods and they talked about that move on Monday. Kevin Stefanski was asked if there would be any more staff changes given uh, that that they had already let go of Woods, and he said, um, I got to talk to the rest of the staff later this week. Monday was more about the players. So with mm-hmm. that being said, should we expect any other coaching or organizational changes out of Berea? Sure. I think, I think on defense, definitely. Like, I think – and this is the way these things work, guys. You know, like, it sort of depends on who they bring in as their new defensive coordinator, and – uh, if you know three of those four guys are would mark a pretty significant change, like in going to a three-four defense, um, it's a little bit more multiple. It's a little bit more versatile um, than what Joe was brought to the table. Um, Jim Schwartz is the one where I think you'd see a fair amount of carryover. You know, where the the scheme is similar enough where you could probably hold on to some of those down the line position coaches. Whereas if you're bringing in Flores, you're bringing in Mayo, or you're bringing in Desai. You'd be talking about changing who you are um, along your defensive front. You'd be going from an even front to an odd front, and um, you probably need to bring in different guys to coach it. So I think that's probably part of what um, what Kevin Stefanski is getting at. And you know, I I would think, and I don't know this, but a lot of times in those sorts of situations, you will give guys an opportunity to go talk to other teams while they're in limbo. So that could be part of the equation too. What about Chad O'Shea? I did the the Browns receivers coach. When I was reading your mailbag, yep. I did see something about him in there. Yeah, and I think he's an interesting name for New England. Um, the reason why, so like obviously Bill O'Brien's been the most talked about name. You know, he was the Patriots offensive coordinator, um, and you know, I, I obviously he's got background with Mac Jones, having been at Alabama. Mac actually helped teach him the offense. Um, so you got him and Cliff will be another one that I don't think Cliff's going to go there because Cliff's still owed $30 million over the next four years. So he might like kick back for a little bit <laughs> and not coach. Um, you know, but I, but I do think Chad O'Shea is an interesting one because spent 10 years in New England and like, you know, a big part of what like New England was trying to do this year that failed was, you know, Bill's always been, been I think fascinated with Shanahan type concepts on offense, right? Because he always had so much trouble playing against them. Well, you know, if, if you hire Chad O'Shea from Cleveland, he's bringing some of those in his back pocket because you know he worked in in an offense that's really a Kubiak inspired offense in Cleveland. So I think he's one name you can kind of look at and say the Patriots could have some level of interest in him, so you could wind up losing somebody pretty significant from your offensive staff. Albert, another thing, I, I feel like there's like 17 things that I can ask you about here. 
Um, but you mentioned Bob Quinn's name earlier, and in your mailbag, you talked about the uh, his growing influence within the organization. Yep. Can what does that mean? Like in terms of his influence, is that a power thing? Is it just that he's no, well respected? I mean, I mean, like, look, look. I think, I think Andrew Barry is very cognizant of the upward mobility of certain people on his side, right, on the personnel side, and so. You know, if you look at it, like you've got two people who were promoted last year into assistant GM roles in Glenn Cook and, and Kat Raish, right? And so, like, if you've got people in those roles, I think it's sort of incumbent on you to continue to develop or identify the next group, right? Like, and who's going to be in those positions of influence after? And so, you know, I, I think when you've got a guy who is next GM in the building and Bob Quinn, who, you know, has done it himself and also came from a very successful program in New England, it would be silly not to, to use that. And we also know this. Like, we also know Jimmy Haslam has long been fascinated with the way that Bill Belichick does business. So having a voice from that um, organization in the building, we see it in the coaching staff again, too, with O'Shea. Um, I, like, it's something I think the owner would, 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 would have a positive outlook about, too. So, you know, I think it's, you know, a, a result of, like, A, you know, where he comes from in his background and people in the Cleveland organization really liking that, and then, B, the fact that the reality that, that Andrew Barry, you know, over the next couple of years might have to prepare for a couple of people in his, in his department getting, getting GM jobs. Albert, I, I'm, I'm curious. You know, I've talked to a couple of people around the league, and they've said, hey, this, this isn't a great year to go after a head coach. There's not a lot of great yeah. candidates, you know. I just wonder, like, if there were more candidates or a, a great candidate out there, would the Browns have considered firing Stefanski or no? I don't think so. And okay. it's funny you say that. I, I, I think that they – I think there's respect for the fact that, uh, that he had to deal with a lot, you know, this year, Dustin. Mm-hmm. The other thing to me is, like, you, you say that – you know what's fascinating about this? And I think you'll appreciate this as a guy who played defense. Um there aren't like the, the the offensive list has sort of been drained a bit, right? Like so, like if you're talking about young offensive coaches and trying to find quote unquote the next Kyle Shanahan or the next Sean McVay, like that list is relatively short. You know, Ben Johnson, Shane Steichen, Ken Dorsey, Brian Callahan, Mike Kafka. Like, there's not a huge number of names, and a lot of those guys haven't been coordinators for very long. But look on defense: D'Amico Ryan's, Jonathan Gannon. Um, you know, Gerard Mayo, uh, Ezero Evero, Aaron Glenn, um, you know, Lou Anarumo. There's, I mean, you go down and I'm missing a bunch, but like, because people haven't been hiring on that side of the ball, there's this like long list of really qualified guys who are ready to do the job. And so, you know, I think that's what's so interesting about it is like, you know, with owners clamoring to get offensive coaches in the building. Um, you know, what you, what you wind up seeing, I think is just this enormous backlog of defensive names and really good defensive names. And so I I do think some people are missing the boat on that when they say there aren't a lot of great candidates out there. Albert looking to, uh, the, the coaching cycle that is going on right now, where is Jim Harbaugh coaching in 2023? The NFL. (laughs) Um, I, I think, I, I honestly think guys like that, I think he really wants to give it another shot. And that's my opinion. That's not like I can't, I can't crawl inside his head. I don't know. You know, I, I know he's got a really good team coming back next year. Um, you know, I, I, I know like he's got the program in Michigan in a great spot. 
I also know, like he's had unfinished business for a long time. And, you know, I think if we were talking about him in 16 or 17 or 18, when he first got to Michigan, there was interest, you know, from NFL teams and bringing him back to the league. And then that leveled off a little bit, you know, and in 19 and 20 and 21, it wasn't really there. Like in 20, he would have left. Like they, they, when they asked him to take a cut, he wanted to leave. He called the Jets, he called the Chargers. Like there wasn't an opportunity out there for him last year. Like some of that interest was outgoing, you know? And so for the first time in a while, there's now incoming interest, you know? And I think going through what he has over the last eight years um, and being away from the NFL, I think makes him appreciate, you know, being in the league. It makes him understand that, you know, it's not automatic that these jobs are just going to come whenever he, you know, snaps his fingers and asks for them. And so, you know, I do think that if an opportunity comes along for him to take one, I think he's going to really seriously consider it. And I think he'd probably take it, you know, whether that's Denver, Indianapolis, Carolina, I think a little bit more on the outside, Houston. Like, I think, you know, that there's, I think there's a pretty decent shot that, you know, like that, that, that if he takes, if he gets an offer, I think there's a, decent shot he gets an offer that he's going back to the NFL Albert we've got uh McVay watch going on in Los Angeles it sure seems like the Rams are feel like he's on the way out between McVay last year or this year Sean Payton last year do you think this path is more prevalent of coaches who have zero interest in rebuilds and might be more more eager to go ahead and use that previously earned cachet in a similar market to go to somewhere new and have a new chance to win right away. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot that goes into the job. Um, so like the idea of after you've built it up and after you've maintained it at a certain level, the idea of starting all over again is probably pretty daunting, you know? And I, I know with, you know, with Sean Payton in New Orleans, they were getting close to that point. That roster's still really good, but it was getting older and there wasn't a quarterback there. Um, what wasn't a, at least a star quarterback there. Our Jameis has played pretty well, but like not a star quarterback there. And then, um, you know, I, I, you know, I think, you know, like you look at some of the money too, I think that's a factor also, you know, like if you're Sean Payton or you're Sean McVay and you say, if I step away for a couple of years and come back and now all of a sudden there's a bidding war on me, and somebody's going to pay me 20 or $25 million. Like that's not a bad outcome either, you know? And in the time being, I can get somebody to go pay me to go, play, go, go on TV. And instead of working, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, like always having it on my mind, I'm working like 35 days a year on television. Well, that's not a bad deal in the interim, you know? So I think if you kind of like look at like what this adds up to and, you know, the, the demands of the job and then, you know, the idea of going through a rebuild when you've got like all that stuff behind door number two, you can certainly see where it would entice these guys to step away for a couple of years and then come back refreshed um, with a, with a big bag waiting for them and a team of their choosing. Is Aaron Rodgers done playing football? I don't think he knows Dustin. Like, I don't think he knows. Like, I think, um, it's tough for these guys in that sort of situation to, 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 to make a decision in the moment, you know, um, I, you know, I think he's probably going to get away from it and, and, and decompress and, and try to make a decision. And it's interesting because the Packers are at a crossroads too. You know, they got to make a decision on Jordan Love's fifth year option this year. And, um, you know, like that decision has got to be made in May and those fifth year options are now fully guaranteed. We're talking about a twenty-five to thirty million dollar decision on a young quarterback who's actually shown some level of progress over the last year. It wasn't great the first two years, 
but I think he's taken some steps this year. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot for the Packers to consider. There's a lot for Rodgers to consider. I think everything's still up in the air when it comes to him. Albert, when it comes to how the Browns are going to build going forward, I, the Rams thing with McVay just kind of brought this in. Um, do you think the Browns are reaching Rams territory where it's time to go all in, even at the expense of uh, maybe draft picks? Probably, yeah. I mean, I, the, I mean, obviously, like the Watson trade depleted your draft capital to some degree, but probably, um, you know, I think if you have opportunities to go and get guys, like you know, I, you know, like if you have an opportunity to go trade for like DeAndre Hopkins or someone like that who may not have more than a couple years left but could materially change who you are offensively. Like I, I certainly can see looking at something like that, you know, and Hopkins obviously has a relationship with Watson um, and has known him going back to Clemson. So, um, yeah, I, I certainly think like you start to look at some of those moves because you are in that window because you have the quarterback, you know? And so um, I think it's incumbent on the Browns now to create the best situation about their around their quarterback. And they've built, I think in a really responsible um, way over the last few years, where you've got a lot of good players who are still on rookie contracts and that gives you the flexibility to do some things as well. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this is a good spot for them to be aggressive in this off season. It's going to give them an opportunity, I think, to put some more pieces around Deshaun. Albert, great stuff, man. Really appreciate you. Enjoy the beginning of the playoffs this weekend. All right. Thanks guys. Have a good one. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.